Welcome to the Drivers of Change podcast series. My name is Silvia Gullino. I'm Associate Professor in City Making in the School of Engineering and Built Environment at Birmingham City University. In each episode, we will explore local innovative projects and how they can ascend the local scale and generate broader impacts. Through such projects, we will interrogate the extent to which planners can offer alternative and sometimes radical responses to wider scale challenges. Each episode can be downloaded and listened to from your own device. Today, we are going to explore the diffusion of co-working spaces in Milano and their transformative effects at local and city level with Carolina Pacchi, who is Associate Professor of Urban Planning at the Politecnico di Milano. Co-working and co-working spaces have gained attention during the COVID pandemic and movement restrictions. Carolina Pacchi has carried out interesting research on such spaces both in Milano and Berlin. Let's start from the beginning, Carolina. Uh, what is co-working? And who um, uses these co-working spaces? Yeah. Um, co-working is uh, an expression uh, that has been gaining uh, popularity in the last 10, 15 years, even if uh, we might say that some form of co-working existed even, even before. The first uh, uh, co-working spaces named as such um, uh, emerged in San Francisco, in California, in 2005, was called the Hat Factory, and basically was a space, a shared working space. So a space devoted to people working in the same space, but not in the same organization, which means that freelancers, um, uh, entrepreneurs, um, small firms, share the space in order, of course, to share uh, the cost, but also to um, maximize the possibilities open up by proximity. So the exchange, uh, the, uh, particularly the knowledge exchange um, in uh, uh, workspaces that are basically offices, but uh, organized in a non-hierarchical way. Uh, co-working spaces uh, have been emerging firstly in the Western world, basically in the US, in Western Europe, but uh, then they have been gaining pace significantly worldwide and uh, there's been a significant pace of uh, um, uh, increase in, in particularly in the last uh, five, six years. So there's co-working spaces worldwide in every region of the world. Um, they are very frequently connected. So there's networks of co-working spaces because there's people that has the possibility to move from one to the other, and they basically host um, knowledge workers, so, so workers in the tertiary sector. So uh, am I right to say that they attract mainly creative people? Yeah, I would say more in general knowledge workers. Certainly creative people, so those, for instance, in uh, media, advertising, communication, um, graphical design, uh, but then there's also people working more generally in the ICTs, in, in digital technologies. Uh, and then, according also to the context, because this is uh, what is interesting in co-working spaces, is they are extremely context sensitive. So the type of workers that use these spaces in London is very different from those who use these spaces in other parts of the world. Um, they are, uh, the, the, the main element is that these are knowledge workers. So people for whom the main research, uh, resource and the main output of their job is related to knowledge. So why do they choose to work in co-working spaces, which are in my mind are open spaces with some shared facilities, uh, 
Um, why, why should they choose uh, such uh, environments? What are the benefits yeah. for them? So, yeah, in general, um, co-working spaces have shared facilities. They can be open spaces or not, depending, okay. because there's many different shapes. There's many different sizes. There's co-working spaces in which there's just uh, three or four desk, uh, desks which are being shared. And there's co-working spaces with more than 1,000 uh, uh, workplaces. Um, they normally rent out the space on a hourly, uh, a daily, uh, monthly or yearly rate. It depends on the uh, type of organization. Uh, and then there's a number of services, obviously the basic services, connectivity, uh, meeting rooms, etc. But frequently there's something else. Sometimes they, they um, have um, um, cafes, bistros, uh, they have a shared kitchen. Uh, in some cases, they have personal uh, care services, babysitting services, or childcare. Um, in other this is cases, very interesting. they have um, uh, they offer courses, um, English courses, uh, language courses, ICT courses to the people who are located there. Um, so basically, uh, um, people choose to stay in, in co-working spaces because. In the vast majority, their alternative would be individual home working, which obviously is very uh, convenient in terms of cost, but uh, is uh, um, isolating. Uh, yeah, isolating, and it has negative effects. So people prefer to spend some money, of course, much less that uh, than uh, if they would uh, rent uh, an office space for themselves, uh, and to um, work in an environment which is. Uh, based on physical proximity, which means also knowledge, proximity, um, discussions, possibility to discuss about projects, careers, etc. But is also based on uh, uh, a very strong idea of knowledge exchange, in particular informal knowledge, knowledge exchange. So the idea that by being uh, near to other people, um, having a coffee together, sharing some uh, uh, relaxed space, etc. You have the possibility to enhance your professional possibilities because you learn about networks, about projects, about knowledge, and this may uh, uh, make people less alone, less isolated. Uh, and in some cases, we've, we've been doing some research on that, enhance the career possibilities. There's some people who say that they've been increasing their um, uh, yearly income, their turnover, uh, the number or range or typology of uh, clients uh, after being located in a co-working space. In your experience of looking at co-working spaces, uh, let's say in Italy, um, where are they mainly located in urban context? Are they more in the city centre? Are they more in suburban areas? Are they outside cities? Traditionally, uh, there's um, an idea, a shared idea, that co-working spaces are essentially metropolitan phenomenon. So they tend to be present in large metropolitan agglomerations, particularly in urban cores, even if not exclusively, um, because they tend to be located in those areas which are particularly attractive for creative workers, for digital workers, for knowledge workers. Um, in fact, if, in, as a matter of fact, if we look more closely to the different situations, it's not necessarily only like that. Certainly, major uh, global urban centers have a significant uh, amount and concentration of co-working spaces, particularly in certain neighborhoods, which is very interesting. This is something we've been analyzing in Milan and, and also in Berlin. 
um, but if we look at different um, uh, regions of the world, uh, uh, there's also a, a lot of co-working spaces in uh, rural areas that obviously respond particularly to the feeling of isolation of people who are uh, maybe working at home and moreover they are in, in, in an inner or rural area. Uh, even if, uh, and this is an interesting uh, issue to discuss, normally the type of uh, um, uh, promotion and decision-making process behind the opening up of co-working spaces in metropolitan regions, in metropolitan cores particularly, and in rural area tends to be very different. That's a very interesting um, picture. Um, really goes um, against this idea of uh, city centre uh, spaces for high um, uh, high profile creative uh, uh, creative people. Uh, how these spaces are managed? Then? Is there a typology of uh, management, or they are more um, more differentiated? They are very diverse. I would say that there's mainly three uh, uh, typologies. Uh, one is um, uh, commercial spaces, so basically space uh, run by some uh, uh, profit organization that can have co-working space as their main mission or as a side mission because there's many cases in which there's a consultancy firm or a, um, a graphic design firm, an architectural firm that has as a side uh, activity, uh, the management of co-working space. In some cases, on the contrary, uh, these companies are totally devoted to uh, managing co-working spaces. And in these cases, frequently, they are also working as incubators or accelerators for startups. Uh, and the third, uh, 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 within this uh, uh, family of, let's say, commercially run market-based co-working spaces, there's large uh, real estate market operators, particularly in uh, uh, global centers uh, such as London, New York City, etc., much less in other places. So these are uh, uh, firms that are basically, uh, that basically own or run uh, uh, buildings and, and operate co-working spaces on these spaces. The second family is um, uh, publicly owned uh, uh, co and managed co-working spaces. And in particular, they, are, they characterize uh, region, rural regions or regions lagging behind. In Europe, they are very frequent in many rural areas in France, in Catalonia, in the, northern, in the Nordic countries. Uh, in these cases, frequently it's local authorities or a consortia of local authorities and maybe um, uh, non-profit organizations or community organizations that also uh, using uh, uh, public funding um, uh, uh, re renovate uh, um, um, abandoned buildings or underused buildings and run these spaces with the idea of, um, uh, let's say, uh, that co-working spaces may be a sort of a service for the community. And there's a third typology, which is less frequent, but uh, still exists, which is um, uh, co-working spaces that emerge from grassroots practices. In particular, in Berlin, we've been seeing that uh, traditionally there's, uh, there was a very active countercultural scene, uh, both in the uh, uh, arts, culture, media, uh, uh, digital media uh, world, 
uh, that in some cases uh, transformed themselves or added a co-working space to their activity. So in these cases, they are NGOs, non-profit organizations, countercultural groups. Of course, as time passes, they tend to become more institutionalized, but these, I would say, are the three main models. This is very, um, very clear. What, what, what do you think, um, what, is, what do you think is the future of these typologies? Do you see one more dominant than, than others or it's, it's difficult to predict? Um, the impression that we had, looking in particular at Italy, uh, I have to say in this case, the data are uh, mainly based on researchers in Italy. We started out with uh, a very strong focus on Milan which being obviously a global city has been the first uh, area in Italy to be characterized by this phenomenon, but then we extended the research to the rest of the country. Um, I would say that um, in the uh, market uh, uh, family, uh, certainly there was before the uh, COVID pandemic, a, an increase in the presence of large real estate operators. Uh, and a, I would say that what was diminishing was the small, medium sized architectural or consultants, architectural firm or consultancy that just decided to rent out some uh, um, uh, desks. So I have the impression that the service was becoming professionalized uh, and the size obviously in, in, for re agglomeration reasons tended to increase. So this was a trend that was already uh, 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 very, very clear in places such as New York City, for instance, but uh, I, I have the impression was taking place also in Europe. So a significant uh, decrease of non-professional co-working spaces uh, and a significant increase in terms of number and in terms of size. So the, the medium size was, uh, was increasing. After the uh, uh, significant, I would say, disruptive uh, changes to the job market uh, um, related to the COVID pandemic and the, the response uh, on the part of uh, uh, authorities, uh, gover governments uh, uh, across the world, um, things, uh, I have the impression, uh, are, a bit, are changing a bit. And certainly there will be a totally different type of worker interested in co-working spaces. Large firms, even multinational corporations, are um, envisaging the possibility of closing down their headquarters or large office premises, uh, imagining to, let's say, uh, uh, maintain their workforce directly at home or in intermediate places, smaller places nearer to home, which is obviously sensible in, in, uh, uh, if there is the possibility of uh, future lockdowns. Uh, but they are seeing that this is convenient, obviously in, uh, in financial and economic terms, but also in terms of quality of life. So a very strong reduction in commuting. So what would be probably happening with some difficulties, and, and it's not a smooth process because there's enormous market forces uh, uh, behind that, would be probably the emergence of a number of intermediate co-working spaces, not exactly in the rural areas, but possibly in suburban areas in which Workers can can uh, that, that workers can reach easily from their homes with a 15 minutes commuting, 10 minutes commuting, possibly uh, joined uh, with other services. So imagine that there will be more and more hybrid. For instance, childcare will will become certainly something particularly relevant. 
so we are just starting to see some first suggestion that this might be happening. It's very early, so we do not have any evidence, hmm? any uh, 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 strong evidence, but possibly this is an interesting direction. This means that the type of workers would be completely different. So employees in large firms that certainly had not imagined to use co-working spaces previously, a different age group, because traditionally those in co-working spaces tended to be younger, uh, but possibly here on, on the age bracket might change significantly. So this might be very interesting in terms of effects, urban transformations, etc. urban transformation and that's quite an interesting point I would like to um, explore uh, um, in the in this episode so co-working spaces are not just uh, spaces offices that one shares with other people working on similar um, similar fields but they have a, a potential in terms of uh, urban transformative effects on the on the city can you can you tell us a little bit more maybe um, um, we, we talked a lot about the, 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 the city as a whole, maybe talking more um, about the, the local effort, the potential local effort. Yeah, um, we've been working with uh, some colleagues on, uh, on this, looking in particular at Milan and uh, uh, in Italy, but then I've uh, been uh, doing similar analysis also in Berlin. Uh, in general, if we look at cities, um, uh, co-working spaces are unevenly distributed. Hmm? So if you look at a map of the more or less hundred or something co-working spaces in Milan and the figures are similar for Berlin, they are um, uh, concentrated in certain parts of the city, which uh, normally have two characters. The first is um, they still have um, reasonable uh, real estate prices, so in terms of rent or uh, 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 property, uh, and they are creative clusters. Mm? So neighborhoods in which there's a concentration apart from the co-working spaces of uh, architectural firms, digital firms, uh, creative firms, etc. Uh, in these areas, it's, it's very complex because as always with social and physical, let's say social and spatial phenomena, it's very difficult to say what determines what. So it's a very complex relationship that tends to be circular. So co-working spaces locate there because they think that they will uh, enjoy a certain atmosphere. Um, think, for instance, of how much this, the concentration of this type of spaces changes the um, offer of um, cafes, restaurants, uh, uh, bars uh, uh, that completely change their nature. Mm? Uh, this is something that has been extensively discussed also in, in uh, terms of possible risks of uh, gentrification, of course. Um, but uh, what do, let's say, co-working spaces uh, um, add in terms of urban transformation? Very frequently, even if they are very innovative internally, maybe they are open, transparent, uh, non-hierarchical, etc. Um, in terms of relationship with the city, with the street, with the block, they are quite traditional because ultimately they are workspaces. So they have to be closed, they have to be filtered, the entrance have to be filtered, controlled. So it's very difficult for them to open up to the street, to the neighborhood, 
In some cases, there's some intermediate space like bistros. Uh, very frequently, they have cafes, cafeterias that are normally open both to the workers and to the neighborhood. And these can be spaces of exchange. In some cases, but particularly in certain uh, uh, moments in the year when there's uh, festivals or fairs, they have some installations in the street. They show their presence. They're doing something for their neighborhood. Uh, but in general, it's quite difficult to detect very local effects. Certainly, there's very significant transformations in terms of uses, in terms of um, yeah, uh, um, supply of services in, in, in the neighborhood, in terms of time timetables, because co-working spaces tend to be, some are open 24-7, uh, but even those which are not and not all workers uh, uh, spend the night there tend to have much longer working hours because then um, knowledge workers uh, 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 tend to have a much more blurred distinction between work time and leisure time or personal time so people stay there in in the evening there's maybe a conference uh, a seminar a cultural event uh, and that of course changes significantly the life of the neighborhood Carolina, very briefly, do you think we will see more co-working spaces coming up uh, in the near future? I think so. I think so. I think that we would have seen many more co-working spaces, even uh, in, in, in a non-COVID situation, let's say in a, a, a business as usual situation. Uh, we would see more, I think, in this particular situation, probably with a strong rearrangement hmm, of the location, of the nature. Nature means also the type of promoters, the managers, the funding, the market model, let's say the business model behind probably will change because if you have large corporations um, uh, uh, renting out uh, large chunks of space, this changes enormously. But I think that uh, possibly they, they, they will be increasing, which means that as um, um, urban practitioners, we are certainly interested in, in understanding uh, the phenomenon and uh, its possible effects. Thank you so much, Carolina, for being with us and good luck with uh, your researches. Thank you so much. Thank you.